Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor, Chad Peralt. For other podcasts and resources, visit www.vineyardportland.org. This morning, we have a special guest with us today, and I'm really excited um, to, to bring up uh, Nancy. As you guys know, we are doing, today is our Welcoming the Stranger Sunday, and she's going to come up in a minute and share um, just about what Welcoming the Stranger is, um, the organization here uh, in the city, and she's going to share uh, the story of the organization. But before we do that, I want to just take a, a moment to park in the scriptures for a moment and talk about what the idea of a stranger is and what that looks like um, from God's perspective, from the heart of God. Um, so I, the first thing I want to do is I want to turn to Psalms. So if you got your, if you got your Bible with you, Psalm 146, verse 10, verse 7, sorry, to 10. So cool. It says, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And he, this is what he does. He watches over the stranger. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. And that word stranger is, can be trans, translated into a couple different ways. So when they say stranger in the Old Testament, or when they're referring to stranger, it could mean a sojourner. It could mean a couple different um, terms. But the word stranger in the Old Testament is transliterated as this word, word ger, G-A-R-E, ger. And basically what it means, it's, it's referred to um, someone who is in a land that they're not originally from. They're residing in a land that they're not originally from. They're a temporary inhabitant or they're a newcomer to that land. And they don't have any inherited rights, but they do have conceded rights, which means there are rights to them that have been conceded to them, even though they're not inhabitants and natives of the land that they now, which they reside in. So that word ger is this word stranger. And it's really cool because this uh, organization is called Welcoming the Stranger. And God has a lot to say about how we are supposed to treat the stranger in this land. He has a lot to say about it. And I just want to share two things with you this morning. First is this. In Leviticus chapter 19, I know, I know, Leviticus, we don't park there much. I know. I, like, love the Old Testament. And I think I'm going to be sharing a lot more out of it coming up. So I'm really excited about that. This is what it says in Leviticus 19.33. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger 
who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, and just epoch, and just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. So what the Lord is saying here is you got to remember where you came from. And if you cannot treat the stranger in your land as one of your own, then you basically have no remembrance of what I brought you from. That's what he's saying. Treat them justly. He said, treat them justly. There were not two different judicial systems with the Israelites. There was one judicial system. There was one way to bring justice to the people. And it wasn't one way for the stranger and one way for the native. They were treated just as the natives were. God said to them, you must treat them as your own. Why? Because if you don't, you fail to remember what I delivered you from. You were once a stranger in a land, and you were not treated very well. You were once a stranger in a land that was hostile to you. And you will not allow men to be your example. I will be your example. You will not allow men to tell you how to treat others. You will allow me to tell you how to treat others. It's powerful. It's so, I'm sorry, it's just so different than the way our culture works today. It is. I mean, it is like, it's different. Secondly is this, Leviticus 23 Chapter, uh, chapter 23, verse 22. The Lord is speaking about these feasts that he's setting up for his people. And these feasts are tied to the harvest. He says, when you bring in your harvest, this is what you're going to do. We're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate. Why? Because I just provided all that for you. So your proper response to me is to worship me for what I just gave you. So he sets up these feasts and festivals tied to these harvests. And he says, when you bring in the first fruits, when you bring in the harvest, you can't take it all for yourself. You can't take it all for your own. He instructs his people. And this is, you got to understand something here. This is before they got into the land, okay? So these things that he's saying to his people are actually things that he, he's proclaiming, he's, he's, he's asking them to do in the future because they're not in the land yet. He said, but when you're in the land and you, uh, when you begin to reap the harvest, when you begin to see my faithfulness and provision for you as a, as a people, when you begin to reap that harvest, don't take it all. 
He instructed his people twice. If you look in Leviticus, twice. He instructed them to leave the edges of their crop fields untouched. And he also said to them, do not pick up anything from the ground. The gleanings, do not pick up anything from the ground. Leave it. Leave the edges untouched. Leave the gleanings untouched. Why? For the poor and for the stranger. It was a right. It was a legal right that was given to the poor and the stranger that they could enter a field after the harvest and take whatever they like. You think about that today. You think about that mindset today. You mean that's my field? That, no, that's my field, Lord. No, I put in the work. I tilled the soil. I planted the seed. That's mine. How dare you tell me what to do with my field? That's how we operate today. Not all of us, but I mean the culture as a whole. It's not an indictment of any one person. It's the cultural norm, and it's just the way, unfortunately, we operate now. And it's so, it's so antithetical to what the Lord calls us to do with what we have and what he's given us. He said, keep those edges clean. Keep them Keep them unharvested. Keep the gleanings on the ground because you are not called to be greedy people. You are called to serve those among you that are poor and that are the stranger because you were once a stranger. So this position, you guys, you got to understand this. This is so radically different than any other culture that was around at the time. This, what they set up did not parallel any other culture. What God set for his people did not parallel any other culture we saw at the time. From a legal perspective, the laws that he, that he established in the hearts of his people the things that he was calling his people to be, they, that was not something you saw in other cultures and other legal systems at the time. It was different. Why? They were set apart. They were not called to be like every other culture in that time, in that area, in the land of Canaan that they were going to. The, the Lord said, you can't be like them. This is how you got to be. He was prepping them to be a called out people so that when, he went in, when they went into the land, they would be people of influence. No, this is how we live. That's not how we live. This is how we live. And so he set up the laws, his law, in the hearts of men. Because we are called out people. We are different. The Lord understood that the stranger would be at a natural disadvantage because of their alienage. And the reason why he set up what he did was to provide special protection for those who were poor and who were at a disadvantage. And so this morning, I want to share with you guys a little bit of that heart of God through welcoming the stranger. Because welcoming the stranger is doing exactly what it is that he's called his people to do. 
we have been called to treat the stranger as a native, that there is no difference. They have been called into this land, and we have a responsibility as God's people to treat them as God has designed us to treat them, as one of our own, because they are. They are. And so Nancy's going to come up and share here, because I really feel like this is the heart of God. A heart of God for us is to extend mercy to, these, to, 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 to anyone who's here. It's to extend mercy, it's to extend support, and it's to encourage. And so this morning, I'm going to have Nancy come up. Come on up. Nancy came up this summer, and uh, we did a little um, fundraiser for welcoming the stranger through our VBS time. Yeah, put it right here. And uh, we were able to bless them with um, laundry money for some of the people that welcoming the stranger was serving. Yeah. So what I wanted to do this morning is have Nancy come up and give a little bit more detail about what Welcoming the Stranger is, how it started, what they're doing. And if this is something that you feel like the Lord is just speaking to you about, we're going to give you an opportunity to um, ask some questions. Um, if this is something that you feel like, okay, I may want to do this. I may want to mentor um, a family in the greater Portland area that is in the process of uh, seeking citizenship and is at this point is, oh, asylum seekers. So I'm going to have her share, and then we're going to do a little question and answer, and then I have a couple questions too. So, so here she is. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Is it on? Yeah, you have a brochure, by the way, in your, um, in your um, bulletin, so... Um, hello, everyone. Hard acts to follow. The, really? Him and that group up there, right? <laughs> so, but I'll do my best. Um, so, I'm Nancy Markowitz. Um, Welcoming the Stranger was started five years ago, and it was a small group of people, actually of Jewish faith, who felt that um, they weren't doing enough to help the stranger that a lot of faith communities were doing a lot of work and realizing that everyone in this room, unless you're a Native American, is an immigrant, right? We are all strangers here. We all came here, our families came here. The Jewish people, of course, a lot of people came when the Holocaust happened and had to flee. Um, so they wanted to do something this group. They weren't affiliated with any particular faith organization. Um, so they did some asking around and what they, everyone said to them over and over again, if you could start a mentoring program so that families that come here would have a friend. So everybody could have a, a fairy godmother, godfather to help them through the hard times. That would be the most amazing thing in the world. And other groups had tried to do that before, and they, it just didn't happen. But I believe, like, when the time is right, 
it just falls together. It just happens, right? And so in five years' times, we've made over 385 matches of people. So all those mentors that came forward, they're all volunteers from the greater Portland community, Westbrook, South Portland, Falmouth, all, all around this greater area. Um, and, you know, I was thinking when I was listening before is, um, you know, for my, my truth is how I find holiness or the Lord or whatever you want to call it is through the work I do out in the world. So the more I give, the more I get. And I get to see all the light in me, and I get to see all the darkness in me, right, which is just projected in the world, right? So this work is sometimes just joyous, and sometimes it's really challenging because you come up against, you know, difficult things. Um, so the, it's basically a mentor is supposed to be a friend to someone. Um, when Chad and I talked at one point, it could be a group of people get together and mentor someone. It could be you and your partner. It could be the church that takes on a family. It can look any way. We have neighborhoods that have taken on a family and they share, you know, in what needs to be done. And some families are easy, you know, they're way along in the process, and some are more difficult. They just arrived. We've picked up families that have arrived at the airport in the middle of the night, and then they, you know, go through the process. We only work, so there's different uh, categories of immigrants that come here. Uh, we used to have a lot more refugees. Um, they come through an established program. It used to be Catholic Charities that was the sponsor. Um, this administration, current administration, has slashed refugees coming in, allowing refugees, which is why you, s you hear about more, more and more people coming across the southern border is because they can't fly in anymore. Those that are fleeing violence and persecution they can't get visas in their countries anymore. They can't, and they can't go, the refugee program is slashed. So the way they come in is a lot of them today come across the southern border. They fly, they fly or some of them take boats from um, most of the people we see today here in uh, Portland are from the Congo um, and from Angola and Burkina Faso. Um, and the way they come in is they, they go to Brazil. They somehow get to Brazil, and then they make the trek from Brazil through seven countries. They cross borders illegally. They go through jungles where there are dead people along the trails. They have to go in boats. They have to pay people to take them illegally because there's no way other way to get here. Um, they arrive at our southern border, and as you probably know, many of them are detained today. They're not allowed into our country, which is illegal. Not to asylum seekers. It, we're a protected class in this country. So we're, we're up against a lot of odds, but 
because of that, uh, because of what's happening, I think that's why more and more people are stepping up and want to do whatever we can do. So even if it's a little, little something I can do to make a difference in someone's life, that makes me feel like I'm bringing light into the darkness, right? I'm shedding more light. Um, and I believe, like in Star Wars, that the, in the end, the light wins. That's, <laughs> I believe that. But we have to do it. We're the ones, you know, has, that have to do it. So I wanted, I wanted to just tell you about one of the families that I uh, happen to be working with now. As you can imagine, I'm, I'm deep into it. I'm retired, working full-time for no pay. That's what retirement means these days. <laughs> Don't give up your day job if you like it. Um, so I, I have many families. I become I have a, a bonus daughter who's now at Simmons from Burundi. I have a bonus granddaughter. Um, I was at the birth of this couple that's from South Africa, so I have a granddaughter from them. And I also have this um, this lovely, lovely family. It's a single mom here with three children. She's from um, Congo. And the way she left her home was um, the military came and stormed into their, her home in the middle of the night. And they had an escape plan already in place because they feared this was going to happen. The um, husband um, put her, she went out the window first, and then he handed the children. They got, she got three of the children out, not the fourth, and not the husband. Uh, she ran for her life along this planned uh, escape. Uh, she got to Angola, and she took a boat to Panama, and then she made her way to Brazil. And then she did the trek that I was describing through Costa Rica, Nicaragua. Um, I can't remember, you know, those countries along the route. Uh, she arrived here at the border. She was lucky enough to get across with her ch three children, who were the most adorable kids you could ever imagine. Um, and she spoke no English. She speaks Lingala. She really isn't not, uh, she went to high school, she didn't finish high school, so she, she's, she doesn't have um, literacy herself, so it's been really hard for her to learn English. Um, she has the biggest smile that you can imagine, um, and so do the kids, which is why everybody is, we, we have this team now around her. I have to say most of the people that we serve are Christian that come here. Um, the other wave that came before from Somalia and Sudan were Muslim, and now these people are mostly Christian. So she belongs to a church, and this kind person in the church gave her a car, which is great. But she doesn't speak English. She has no license. <laughs> she, can't, she has no money, right? She's on uh, general assistance, and she gets some food stamps. And so, and he wrote a letter saying that it was a gift. However, he put the car in her name. Yes, so 
general assistant said, you have a car you ha that costs $4,000. Sorry, you lose your general assistance. So unintended consequences, good deed. But So now she has a car sitting in the parking lot. But I, th I think she has someone protecting her because so one bad thing happens, and then I was able to find her an, a um, low-income housing. So she moved from this very expensive apartment where people usually end up in the beginning, and we got her into uh, affordable housing. And now the money she receives just makes the rent, so she doesn't need general assistance. So. Hopefully, someday somebody's trying to teach her how to drive. I'm scared to death she's actually going to get her license. <laughs> and then if she takes one wrong turn and she doesn't speak English, oh my, you know, I don't know what will happen. Some good Samaritan will come along and help her, I'm sure. Okay? So as I said, though, some of our fa this is a very challenging family. I, I you know, I take her to uh, health care and... It's one thing or another. She, she, anyways, but, um, but some of our families are not. Um, the way it works with asylum seekers, so they arrive here. They usually live at the family shelter in Portland to start off. Family shelter helps them find an apartment. Um, they have to wait five months to get a work permit. They desperately want to work. If they could work the day they arrive, they would but rules are in place to, that they can't work for five months, and now the, the administration is trying to make that a year, which I can't understand because it puts more burden on social services, and we, we want people to work, right? That, so we don't, hopefully that won't pass. It won't get through Congress. We'll see. Um, but anyways, what our program does, it's very easy. We, um, if you want to, I can tell you how to do it, but basically um, you just sign up on our website. I brought my computer if anybody wants to sign up today. You do an orientation that takes about an hour, and then we match you up with a family that's in need. Again, you can, I know which families are hard or easy depending on where they are in the process. So. I could match you up with a family. I brought our wait list so you could take a look at who's currently on our wait list. We have people in Westbrook. We have people in South Portland. We have people in Portland, if you have any interest. It's very easy. We've made it very unencumbered process. We're actually not a nonprofit. We have a fiscal agent that's a, you know, that so we can take donations, but we decided not to be a nonprofit, so we could do whatever we wanted to do. We don't want to get caught up in rules and regulations and bureaucracy. So we drive people. We ha I have people to my home. I go into their home. A lot of people uh, could really use help with cooking. Like they don't really know how to use the foods that we have here. Um, so. You can just become somebody that helps people learn how to cook or with nutrition or you could take them food shopping or to the, take them to the pantry or, you know, the food pantry or, you know, when they arrive they have no 
winter boots or coats. You know, they're from southern countries. So um, we have clothing pantries that we take people to. Um, so there's many, many ways uh, to help. <laughs>